endless emotions swirl in my head like annoying little gnats. It's just never enough. I look around at other women, and I can't help but notice how they seem to have it all together. My relationships are a mess. We're in debt up to our ears, and I'm not sure what to do about it. Most mornings, I look in the mirror and wonder what happened. I try to push through all of these feelings. I put a smile on my face for my family. I'm so bored with the same routine, but it's also the only thing that keeps me sane. My past is its own burden, and the Bible says I should smile about the future. I'm terrified of it. My dreams feel so far away. Sometimes, well, most times, I can't see truth through all of the mess. And no matter what I try to do about it, it's never enough. I'm in debt. I have two car payments, four years into a 30-year mortgage, balances on a couple credit cards, plus college for three kids on the horizon, zero savings. I work long hours at a job that I hate, and despite all that, all I get is stress about how I can make more money. I have high cholesterol. I overeat a little too often. I'm trying to get in shape, but it's never, I mean never enough. I haven't taken my wife on a date in four months. I practically forgot our anniversary. My kids need me when I get home, but it's late. I want to sleep. My dad died five years ago from cancer. I should have seen him more before he passed. Man, I miss him so much. I can be amazingly selfish. I'm often angry, seemingly, for no reason. I take four pills at night for my back pain. Some days, getting up seems like too much. I'm good at some things, I'm great at nothing. I had dreams for my work and my family, and I abandoned them long ago. I think I'm a realist, and I come off as a pessimist. I feel restless knowing something is missing. I have too many burdens. They're suffocating. And this is the weight I carry. So what's the weight you carry? What are the burdens you have in your life? We're almost at the end of Galatians. We've been looking at Galatians for the past several weeks, and we finish up our study of Galatians next week. Um, and so we've been talking about a lot of different things. There's a whole lot that's covered in just those few chapters of Galatians. Um, and today we're looking at everybody's got burdens. The video we just watched showed two folks with a lot of different things going on in their lives. Um, maybe one of those things resonated with you, maybe more than one. So what's the burden you bear? What is it that's never enough in your life? What do you really know about what's happening in somebody's life? I think we live in a world where everything is shared, posted, snapped, tweeted, anything like that, so you can get likes and followers and retreats. But how real is all of that? Now, you probably know somebody who shares just a little bit too much. They tell you every little detail. Their prayer requests are like a soap opera. And you never ask them, how are you doing? Because they will tell you every single detail. And two hours later, you're still there listening. Um, but then there are other folks that you hear nothing about. They don't tell you anything. They live off the grid. They don't write that tacky Christmas newsletter. And when you ask, how's your weekend? You get, fine. Now, probably a lot of parents, that's your teenager all the time. How was your day? Fine. What did you do? School. You know, nothing much more than that. But maybe the answer lies somewhere in between those two extremes. Maybe we're created to be social creatures. 
Think back about Adam, the very beginning of the Bible. He was there by himself, so God gave him somebody to work with him, to be a partner, to be sociable with, someone to share strifes and burdens with him. So our scripture today talks about the burdens and what we do with them. It's in Galatians chapter 6. It's right close to the end of the scripture. And we're going to look at the first five verses. Over there. So I invite you to take your Bible if you've got one. There are pew Bibles. You might have an electronic Bible, something like that. But we'll look at the first five verses there and see what's going on in these verses. It says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, who live by the, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. There's a whole lot in those five verses there. So let's break it down verse by verse. By verse. In verse 1 it says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourself so that you're not tempted. I think the key word there is gently. Some translations use the phrase to act humbly when you do that. I like the Amplified Bible translation. It states to do this not with a sense of superiority or self-righteousness. We have to learn how to respond in love even if it's something bad or uncomfortable. We live in a world where it's real easy to say what you think, post it online, and you're sort of anonymous, or there's that computer screen between you and the rest of the world. And you can say what you want and expect everybody to agree with you, but that's not how it happens. Look around our world. In just the past few weeks, months, years, and decades, there have been a lot of things that have happened to dehumanize people, abuse people, and people are treated in the most unchristian-like manner, and quite frankly, it's often Christians who are doing the bad treating. And other Christians are just letting it happen. So what's up with that? What happened to sharing each other's burdens and doing it gently with that? So let's look at verse 2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Do this to fulfill the law of Christ. It's pretty obvious there what you've got to do. You've got to do this. But the question is, what is that law? Now, the law of the world is one thing, but the law of God is something else. And you can go look back in the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments. Pretty much lays it out there. This is what you're supposed to do. This is how you're supposed to obey God. But Jesus came along, and he added something to that. There's, in each gospel, there's a place where Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment? Which of those ten do we have to do all the time? And Jesus switched it up like he often did. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Pretty straightforward. Jesus took the old law and added to it. And he told us, love yourself and love others. Do what God's commanded you to do. Carry each other's burdens to fulfill the law. So how do we do this? Well, I got to thinking about it, and if you were a kid in Vacation Bible School this year, you met EP320. He was a robot that worked with the mission commander, mission commander Cindy, and they learned a lot of different things each night. 
Um, they learned different ways to um, learn about, let's see, it was faith, boldness, thankfulness, hope, and kindness. And on the night they learned about kindness, EP320 made a list of ways that he could show kindness. And they were raise a billion dollars for charity, end world hunger, give away everything until there's nothing left, and my favorite, adopt all the doggies in the animal shelters. I think those were all great things, but Mission Commander Cindy pointed out that those were huge things, and maybe he ought to think a little bit smaller, a little bit more attainable for all that. Maybe we need to think the big, gigantic stuff, but also the daily stuff that's going on in our world. There are so many scriptures. We could just go through the whole Bible and find scriptures that talk about helping the poor, the forgotten, the widows, the orphans, the downtrodden. Help each other. I don't think we can ignore this. It's so prevalent in the Bible, we have to pay attention to it. We just have to figure out how big or small our task is. We have to realize that something that's our task, and we have to do it. You may want everybody to get on board with this great idea that you have, but maybe God gave it to you to make it happen. And maybe God gave it to somebody else to make it happen. There's a, picture, there's a video online that shows a lady in the drive-thru and she wants to pay for the person behind her. But um, for some reason, she didn't do that because she realized that somebody else had already paid for her meal. And so maybe she should pay for something different, that God had not called her to pay for the person behind her and keep that going, that she should take that money and pay for somebody else. And she wanted to do the good thing and post it on Facebook, but she realized that sometimes God calls us to not the thing we want to do, but the thing we should do. So we have to be careful of our motives, what we're going to do. Verse 1 points out, be careful, because you may also be tempted. It's really good to go up to somebody and say, you are doing wrong, without ever looking in the mirror and realizing, hey, I'm doing wrong too. Um, Matthew chapter 3, Jesus says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye only if you remove the plank from your eye. Why do you look for the speck of dust in your neighbor's eye when there's a log in your eye? He says that over and over. Stop looking at everybody else's problems and look at yours to begin with. Figure out what your burdens are, what's going on in your life. Going back to Galatians, verse 3 there cautions us, if anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Do you know anybody that's got that superiority complex that thinks they know all the answers? I'm the one who can teach you this. I'm the one who can lead you in this. I'm the only one who knows. Great leaders, however, are the ones who listen, who pay attention to what other people have to say and add that in to what's going on with them. The Bible tells us that we need to listen to all types of people. Think about the verse that says, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. How often do we want to be first when maybe we need to be last? There's the widow might, the widow's might, the smallest gift. Unlikely people that God used, Moses, he didn't think he could talk. David was just some scrawny kid who fought a giant. Joseph was a slave. Peter denied Jesus. Saul persecuted Christians. It goes on and on. God used all these people and all their opportunities because they listened. They obeyed what God did. Maybe we need to figure out how to listen to what God has to say. The book Growing Young talks about ways that you can grow your church differently, how you can look at things and make changes that's going to make your church thrive. 
Things are changing all through life, and we have to look at different ways of doing that. And one of the concepts is called keychain leadership, where you're supposed to give the keys away to somebody and let them have the responsibilities. It talks about entrusting and empowering people of all generations, not just the young, not just the old, but let them be part of the strategic meetings, be part of significant decisions, and have central roles and parts of authority. Of course, you have to take that on too. You have to accept that that's going there. It's in some ways of giving everybody the burden of making God's kingdom grow. I think back to when I was an eighth grader, and the church that I was growing up in in Charlotte, I was the preschool choir director. Not the assistant, not the person who got the water for the kids or did all the little hard stuff. I was the actual director. My mom was the assistant director. None of the adults wanted to do it, and I did, and so I did. And it was great fun. I planned the lessons, I taught them the songs, and all those types of things worked out really well. But it took an adult realizing a kid could do something and let me do it and not tell me how to do it, but let me learn how to do it as well. Would you do that with a 14-year-old? I'm not always sure I would. So I try to keep that in mind, that somebody did it for me, so I need to do it for somebody else. Um, we have to be careful with verse 4. It says, each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. So you can't brag about everything. I can't be all puffed up that I was the 14-year-old choir director. Um, you can be proud of what you do. You can share that type of stuff, but not everything requires a participation award. Not everything has to be posted on Facebook. But we live in a world that if you don't recognize yourself, nobody else is going to do it for you either. So you have to figure out how much is true and how much is exaggerated and how much really is important for that. We get caught in the trap that our world is not as important as those of the world around them. We're not as good, we're not as good looking, we're not as happy, we're not as rich, whatever. But we have to remember that God's done something special with us right where we are and right who we are. And that sort of comes to the contradiction that shows up in verse 5. For each one should carry their own load. Now all before this said you're supposed to carry everybody else's load. But now it says you're supposed to carry your own burden. So what's up with that? How does that work? Maybe you have to realize that you do have to make some effort. You have to show up for the meeting. You have to plan the Sunday school lesson. You have to be willing to sacrifice. You've got to make your own choices and what goes on in the world. But as Joshua said in the children's time, you don't have to do it alone. You've got your friends and your family, and most importantly, God with you, that can help you with whatever your burdens are. I want you to see this video. It's of a young man that obviously has some physical limitations in what he can do, and he's trying to lift up this really big, heavy ball in a gym. So watch the video. no idea how heavy that ball is, but it's obviously heavy. But he does it, and he succeeds. Now, it's going to show it again in slow motion, and I want you to watch the coach, the, the leader that's behind him through all of this. Um, and notice he has a UNC flag in the background. 
So good guy. Um, here it comes again. Watch the coach, the trainer. When I was young, it was back in the days where you had video games that were arcade games, and you'd play Pac-Man and try to move your body to make it move faster and stuff. So watch the guy in the background right about here. He's not helping him. He's letting the guy succeed on his own. But he's pushing it himself. Come on, get it up there. I can do it. Come on, you can do it. <coughs> and then look at the excitement. He is just as excited and as proud as this kid is. And they just jump up and down and high-five and all that type of stuff. I think that's how you can bond the two things. How you share each other's burdens and let somebody have their own burdens. You're there to support them. You're there to cheer them on. You're there not to put them down. You're there to help everybody succeed. We live in a world where it's all for me. It's all about me. I've got to be number one. But maybe we need to think about somebody else being number one. The message translation of verse 1 says, Live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore them, saving your critical comments for yourself. People know when they're not right. You don't have to point everything out. You can go along beside them and help them in whatever way they need to be helped. On sabbatical, I attended an expo that was about all this new technical equipment, TV stuff and all, and got to see a lot of the equipment that we finally got here this year, thanks to your generous support. Um, and we were able to get some new stuff here. But the expo stopped at 5 o'clock every day. Well, I took advantage of the Big Apple, so I went to good restaurants and went to sightseeing things and all. And I went to see Disney's Frozen. Now, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to expect there. I've never seen so many little mini Elsas and Annas running all over the place. They were all dressed up and had their, ro their dresses on and all that type of stuff. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a nightmare. All these little kids running everywhere. But no, they were enthralled with what was going on on stage. It was a great show. And yes, I did not sing along, but it's now stuck in my head. Let it go, let it go, whatever the rest of the song is for that. You know, so now it's stuck in your head for the rest of the day. But maybe we can learn from Elsa. In that song, she's letting go all the stuff that she's had in her life and making a change. She's letting go of her burdens for all that type of stuff. So I thought it's important that we think about how to let it go. So one more video. This one here is about some folks talking about some scripture and some different thoughts from God about what do you do with the burdens that you have. So let's watch that. I think there was a confusion with the sound when it got put on, so um, there's actually voices saying this, but you can read along. You just don't get to hear the pretty music with it.
So the key point of the video is, give me strength to let it go, give me strength to be weak, and not pick it up again. I think that's the hardest thing with burdens, is you've got something, and you let it go, but then you grab it back, or you shove it into somebody else's face when it's their burden. Let it go, and never pick it up again. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we are thankful for the gifts you give us, the abilities you give us, and the burdens that we have that we can learn from and grow in your love. We pray that you'll show us how to let them go and how to let others be able to let their burdens go and be there as a support and to love one another as we love ourselves. Amen.